This is Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more money into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. This is the word of the Lord. So as Matthew comes to speak to us with reflections on that passage, let's pray for him and for ourselves. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus was so observant, observing of people and of their attitudes and their behaviours and understanding the heart. And so we pray now for Matthew as he opens this particular passage to us. We pray for ourselves that we will have ears open to listen and hearts open to receive what you want to tell us about our own attitudes and behaviours. And so we pray for your Holy Spirit to touch Matthew and each of us in this holy time. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> oh, glory. <laughs> Should we try that again? Good morning. <laughs> It's nice to be back with you, um, though most of you won't have seen the difference. I've been in Derbyshire for most of the last two weeks at a Christian conference centre, learning about all sorts of things, um, which I'll probably share with you at some stage in the future. But it's good to be back home in Camborne and amongst you as well. We're going to begin our reflections a little differently um, this morning. I'm going to invite you to go on an internal journey back to first century Jerusalem, to the ever-expanding city that Jesus would have known. So if you feel comfortable, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and we're going to listen to the words of the reading again. And then I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed for a bit longer as we reflect on the words of the reading together. This is um, a spiritual discipline which uh, is known as Lectio Divina, or sacred reading. It's a way of thinking through and imagining ourselves in the scriptures as they happened, taking in the sights and the sounds and the smells and the words that we hear um, around us. Um, so if you feel comfortable, then I'd invite you to close your eyes and Lee's going to read the passage to us again. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, 
worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Remain in that place where you're imagining the reading. By the time of Jesus, Jerusalem had grown from being a modest military fortress to a world-class city, and the newly renovated temple in which this, this passage takes place rivaled nearly any in the ancient world. The temple had become a gathering place for the population. You would go there to worship God, to meet friends, and yes, as we found out elsewhere in the Gospels, to buy stuff. And you would also go there to present your offerings. Just outside the temple, people would come and leave their offerings to the treasury. So in your mind's eye, imagine yourself sitting in the temple courtyard, sitting on the steps across from the treasury. Imagine yourself there, either on your own or with a group of friends, watching the hustle and bustle of the crowds in the courtyards of the temple. You particularly watch as people give their offering to the treasury. You see many wealthy people leaving offerings of gold, silver, clothes and expensive artefacts. You watch the depositories of the treasury filling up with expensive offerings, almost to the point where the expensive offerings cascade over the side of the, of the depositories that were holding them. Suddenly, your eye is drawn to something different. A woman is walking through the crowd, making her way towards the treasury depositories. This woman looks different. She is wearing dirty clothes. She looks like she might be poor and deprived. And amongst all the finery of all the men and of all the scribes who are wearing uh, rich regalia and putting in the gold and the silver and the chalices and the artifacts, this woman approaches the depository, waits her turn, and then on the top of it, places two small coins. And the people around her start to shout, can't you give a bit more? That's such a tiny amount. Look at what she gave. And the people who aren't shouting or making nasty comments are looking disapprovingly at this, at this poor woman. Then from your vantage point across the courtyard, you notice that this guy is getting to his feet. And he challenges those who are pouring scorn on this woman's offering and says, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more 
than all those who are contributing to the offering box. And the crowd again begins to murmur and gossip, including those who had given the expensive offerings. But this time, the gossip isn't only about the widow. The gossip is about Jesus, who said those things. And before you open your eyes or come from that place of imagination within you, take a few moments to think what it is in that passage and in your reenactment of that passage in your mind which has most spoken to you. And you're welcome, if you wish, to reopen your eyes or even to keep them closed as we carry on reflecting together. The copper coins that the woman gave as an offering were called lepta in Greek. And a lepton, which was a single lepta, was a Jewish coin worth approximately one one hundred twenty-eighth of a denarius which was about the rate of a day's labour. It was a tiny sum of money, but it was all the widow had to offer, and she gave it willingly. Do you know, my friends, we are called to live the beautiful life of the kingdom, to know God's goodness and to live in the flow of that goodness. And when I imagine this passage, the thing that strikes me more than anything else is the beauty of this image of an impoverished widow handing over all that she has amidst a sea of people that almost in my mind were just chucking in spare change. There's something deeply beautiful and profound about that. And as Jesus looked on and saw the widow's offering... He responds by teaching his disciples, saying, They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. In the Old Testament, King David tells us um, that he will not take from the Lord what is yours, he was speaking to someone else at the time, or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. I will not take from the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. We sometimes spend a lot of time in Christian circles talking about what we think the Bible teaches but actually doesn't teach that much about at all. We, 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 we spend great, vast amounts of time being torn apart as, as a church, not here mercifully, um, but in the church in its universal sense, 
um, about teachings that Jesus spends so little time on or doesn't even touch on at all, and yet we obsess with these issues. But my friends, there is one issue in, in the Bible um, that Jesus um, keeps coming back to, and even before Jesus began his ministry, we find littered throughout the Old Testament. Time and time again, this issue comes up, and it's money. And our passage this morning is a parable, which um, the vine have been learning about these all, all term. It's a story with a deeper meaning, or a special meaning. And this is a parable about money. And I know that giving is far wider than just finance. But this morning, because Jesus chooses to spend so much time teaching about money and about giving, then we're going to focus in on this. This parable is one of approximately 19 parables that teach on giving. So clearly, this is something that we need to hear and receive. And what I want to say right at the start is that Jesus' concentration on how we handle money is likely to have very little to do with fundraising. It will, however, have everything to do with who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. And so I want to give you three suggestions about what the Bible says about money. Firstly, that the Bible talks about a, a, a biblical economy in which things are given away rather than accumulated. Uh, when I first studied economics, um, when, when I was at A-level and I went on to study it at degree level, um, I was taught that the economy flourished when small businesses and individuals flourished, that there was a shared wealth and it created prosperity for all. Now... <laughs> Now, the problems with that understanding of economics are vast and far too much to go into today. But that's what the textbooks were telling me at the time. But what we see in the Bible, and what mercifully we see in the Bible, is that Jesus' attitude to money was different. Time and time again, Jesus models giving things away. And perhaps the most poignant example of this given away of Jesus was, was in the gospel story itself, that narrative of the life of Jesus. And towards the end of Jesus' life, after he had been tried and condemned in a sham trial, Jesus was clothed with finery by the soldiers who were attempting to mock him. And the irony is deep. And the irony was not just that the soldiers were putting on him a king's outfit, because um, uh, of course Jesus was a king, so there's irony for us as Christian people there. But the irony was also that Jesus had never worn fine robes. All that we know about Jesus' life was that he simply went about living out the kingdom message. And so when the soldiers dressed him to mock him in fine regalia, the irony was deep. But then what Jesus went on to on the cross was an emptying of himself, a giving away of himself for us. And so elsewhere in the Gospels, when we, when we hear the disciples saying, surely you will not end up on a cross, surely you will not end up being tortured and beaten and mocked. 
Surely your place is to sit on a throne and to be seen as an earthly king with vast power and influence. And of course there, there would be accumulation of wealth and material prosperity. And it wasn't the way of Christ. And that's not how Jesus lived. And that's not how Jesus' earthly life ended. Jesus gave himself that we might enter the fullness of resurrection life. Elsewhere in Philippians, in what, what is, if you'll indulge me, one of my favorite passages of scripture, it talks about Christ being equal with God and yet shunning that equality with God to take the form of a servant. There is a complete giving away of self, of right, of position in order to model something which enables us to see that Christ gives away, therefore we should give away. St. Francis, the son of a prosperous silk merchant, famously took off all his fine regalia to follow Jesus. There is an association in the scriptures between having and giving away. Matthew tells us that where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. And I remember being personally challenged at a conference I was at at Lee Abbey uh, several years ago, in fact, I think about 10 years ago now. And Mark Bailey, who's um, the lead pastor of Trinity Church in Cheltenham, was speaking. And, um, and it came to a day when he was talking about, about stewardship and about finance. Um, and, and he said this, Show me your bank balance or your bank statement. Show me your bank statement and I'll tell you what's important to you. Stay with me for 10 years. Show me your bank statement and I'll show you what's important to you. And, and curiously, no one took Mark up on his offer of presenting their bank statements and having him look through them and, and telling them what appeared to be important. But even within ourselves, it's a useful challenge. And, and I found it deeply challenging as I reflect on issues around stewardship and giving. If I did present my bank statements, what would they say about me? Do you know, we attach in the Western world so much uh, value to money. Um, we, we try to accumulate money uh, and then we try and safeguard it. And we attach value to money in the things that we buy. Um, and so I've learned in, in my ministry to date that if I don't want to charge money for an event, um, you'll get far less people than if you do. Uh, because people attach money to things they pay for. So even if you charge people 50 pence for a ticket for something, they're more likely to come along, because psychologically they, they've parted with money, which has enormous value to them. Um, and so they're more likely to come along to, um, to that event. We attach value to money. And without wishing to make us uh, uncomfortable, or maybe I do, if Jesus was looking on as I came to the depository of the temple in that courtyard, what would he be thinking? You see, in the parable of the widow, part of the meaning behind the story is that in giving everything that she had, the woman became completely dependent on the provision of God. If she had no money, she had no economic power or influence, and so her dependence was on God. 
Here's the truth of this morning, that God doesn't have a financial target that he expects us to meet, that, that he asks us to give so much. God doesn't need our giving. He wants and needs our hearts. God doesn't need our giving. He wants and needs our hearts. The Bible tells us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And as I've said, we live in a world where society revolves around money, but we seek to be agents of a kingdom where we are called to give away the love of God to others. The widow in the story knew the beautiful life of the kingdom. And in a beautiful act, she gave away all she had, not to lose her life, but to find and gain life. Jesus on the cross gave up life so that in rising from the grave, we might know the new life of his kingdom. So, given away rather than accumulation. Two, stewardship. There's a phrase in one of the old prayer books of the Anglican Church which says, All things come from thee, and of thine own do we give thee. All things come from thee, and of thine own do we give thee. It's a line which talks about our being stewards of God's creation, but the creation and all that is within it is God's, not mine. This again is challenging in a culture where what we own, our possessions, are guarded as being ours. And so when we hear the challenge that actually God created the world and all that's within it, and so everything that is belongs to him and not us, sometimes even as Christian people we struggle with that. And I've shared twice now that quote from Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But let's look at the other surrounding verses. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. In the New Testament, the steward is someone who cares for something that isn't his. We are called to be stewards of financial resources that are not ours, but are God's. And part of God's provision for us is the financial provision to be able to give back to him from what he has already given to us. That, that he equips us to do this act of giving away. In the Old Testament, of course, the people gave the tithe, the 10% of their crops and cattle, back to God as an offering. God provided the harvest. God provided the crops for, for people to give back to him. So we are called to be stewards of the resources that God has given us and to use them to his glory. Thirdly, um, we are created um, to be givers. This is perhaps the most important point and the one which the poor widow embodies most fully. We are created in our inner DNA to be givers. God designed us with the need to give. And this point is not so much about the benefit of giving to the receiver, 
but about us um, doing what it is that we were created to do. That's a really important point. The benefit of giving is not um, principally to the receiver, though there, there is generally a benefit in that, but the main benefit to us as a Christian people is in fulfilling that which we were created to do. We have been journeying through Ephesians since the start of September, and we've been discovering the God who calls us to his service gives purpose and meaning to our lives. We have discovered what it is to be saved by grace and delighted in Jesus, who from the riches of his grace has lavished love upon us. If God's nature is to, is to give, then in trying to grow in the likeness of God through the power of the Spirit at work in us, we too ought to give. And not because God needs a certain sum of money, but because if we're going to truly live the God life, then we need to give because that is what we were created to do. A vehicle moves forward in a straight line when, when the front and rear tyres are pointing in the same direction. If the, if the back tyres are straight and the front tyres turn, then the vehicle turns off course. But if all are aligned, then the vehicle moves forwards. We were created um, to live in alignment with God's will and purpose. And it's our task to keep us straight on that course that sees us living this life that he calls us to. So we are to give away and not accumulate, to be stewards of God's creation and created to be givers. So what can we take from the story of the widow's offering? Well, there are three things. Firstly, we're called to review our giving. Jesus was sitting in the courtyard watching the gifts being given to the treasury. We should take these gift days as opportunities to hold our giving before God and reflect on what it is we're offering back to him. We're taught to give sacrificially. The distinction between the wealthy men and the poor widow they gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. We are called not just to give comfortably, but to give sacrificially, so that our treasure is found in the same place as the widow's treasurer, in that place of dependence on God. And we're called to give joyfully. From the abundance of his riches, God has lavished his love upon us. We know the incredible love of God and our giving should be offered joyfully back to him. There was no hesitation recorded on the widow's part. She handed over everything that she had. God gives us gifts to use for the building of his kingdom. And we get to use these gifts that he provides to be an exciting part of what God is doing here in Camborne. But part of God's provision is that we are given enough to be able to give of what we have back to him. The Bible says, freely we have received, freely give. Amen.